Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT Tuesday. I am your host, Cody Coster. With me from Chicagoland, Mr. John Spainhauer. John, how you doing? Doing great, Cody, and happy to be here. Sorry for the delay to our audience, but did need to travel yesterday, but did want to make sure that we did cover the GDT this morning. Yeah, absolutely. And what an eventful GDT that we had yesterday. Yeah, you say tomato, I say tomato. Overall, the index was down 0.9%. So... If you can call that exciting, Cody, then uh, I think that's great. Well, I was waiting for our to see if our little rhythm had changed, if we were going to get a third higher GDT in a row, but uh, ipso facto, that did not happen. Yeah, you're right. You know, this is the first lower composite auction we've had in the last three. Uh, the the two before prior here had been gaining, and I think there was a lot of anticipation that we would see this auction actually gain as well, specifically in the futures market. But in reality, we settled slightly lower and we probably, you know, that's the composite index down 0.9. We'll go through some of the other commodities here, but whole milk powder was really the one that kept the market buoyant here. It came in 0.3% higher. And as we all know, that just represents such a large part of the index that, you know, when it is steady to higher, that kind of controls the overall index. But in general, that was 0.3% higher. Futures were looking for a slightly higher result than that. So I don't know how to judge that one. We were higher, but a little bit less than expectations. When you come over to the other commodities, though, you know, there was some expectation that the skim milk powder market was going to see another move higher. New Zealand had been, you know, having the pole position here on skim for quite a while, making it up to about $1.30 on this auction. The composite skim milk powder index came in 1.6% lower. However, the New Zealand index came in at 0.8% lower on skim milk powder, bringing their price point to about $1.25. When we put that into the perspective of where is everything else, the US right now at $116.50 and the EU at $113. So New Zealand skim milk powder probably got out a little ahead of its skis in terms of the relative value to the rest of the market. And so even though there was some anticipation in the futures that we'd be higher, we didn't get that uh, on this auction and prices pulled back and as a result, we can just say yesterday, almost immediately after the auction, U.S. futures pulled back as well as they lost some of that steam. When we move over to the fat market, a bit of a mixed picture here. AMF came in 4.5% lower, and at the same point in time, butter came in 2.2% higher. There was some anticipation that you know we were going to see those markets move substantially higher. Uh, not substantially, but keep on trucking here. You know, I would say on a fat composite index, I would probably call this one a negative when we, you know, look at it, uh, a negative to flat result. That on an 80% conversion rate, we would say that New Zealand butter right now is about 224. That is almost perfectly in line with where we see European butter right now at around 224. And the US market right now is 244. So, all in all, in the butter market to have the New Zealand and European markets at 224 and the U.S. at 244 
I, I hate to call that harmony, but in the world of butter and comparing international prices, that's about as close as we're going to get for right now, I think. So what does the GDT mean to the U.S. fat market? I think if anything, it just means that the international bid that might be able to carry some butter fat off the U.S. shores to keep the butter market a little bit tighter is, you know, it's down there, but not substantially cheaper anymore. And yet probably not close enough on a discount for us to get big exports out the door. Finally, when we move over to cheddar, cheddar was down 3.4%. When we convert that back, that's a $2 cheddar price. You know, this price has gone up and down and up and down. We'll call it two bucks here. And, you know, we don't have futures to compare that to. What we can say is that if I compare the New Zealand cheddar price of $2 and the EU price of $1.97, and then you say, John, I'm looking at a U.S. cheese price right now, a block barrel average at least of about $1.50 and a cheddar price of around $1.52. How in the world can we have such a discrepancy between those markets and not you know, not be benefiting from those higher prices. And I think comparing to this cheddar price is important, but I think on the global market uh, transition that's taken place over the last few years is I think it's important that our our exports of cheddar are probably more dependent. It's not going to be cheddar that we export so much as we're going to export mozzarella and our ability to export mozzarella is going to be more contingent on the international mozzarella price as opposed to the international cheddar price. And right now we would view the international mozzarella price as around $1.50. So you can say our cheddar price is right in line with the international mozz price, but substantially cheaper than the international cheddar price. Well, I think that's how a lot of folks are kind of looking at this. And that's a lot of calls I've taken the past week, week and a half is you know, the prices that we have $1.50 cheese compared to $2, folks are saying that's got to be good for the export price for us in the States. But again, bringing it back to mozzarella, what you're saying, reading between the lines a little bit here, John, is we might need a little bit lower of, of a price here to get some of those mozz orders really booked out into the future. I think that brings us to uh, another point here. And, you know, I, I know we're kind of crossing over and segueing over into a another subject here. But when we look at exports, exports have been phenomenal. And here, this is going to be another confusing part of the argument. Exports have been phenomenal. If we look at it, cheese is up 4% year over year on our last export report. I think we get a new one here fairly shortly. You know, and if you look at last year's numbers, they were pretty good. So to be getting 4% on cheese exports is, you know, on, on last year is pretty good, right? On the powder side, we're up 3%, and those exports weren't too bad on the year before. So at least up until March, we've had fantastic exports of cheese and powders. Where the cheese mar- the nuance comes into the cheese market is, as we just discussed, it's probably more about the international mozzarella price. The more mozzarella that we're able to export, typically the less cheddar we make, for the domestic market, and that keeps our domestic cheese market pretty snug. The, the, the less mozzarella we export, there's more product, typically uncontracted, and that comes back here into our spot market, and prices move lower. To your point, Cody, down here in the, let's call it 150 on the block barrel average, 
should we be getting exports against mozzarella at $1.50 out in the international market? And the answer is absolutely. We are now in a price point where we will likely get some exports. And I think the nuance here is that the exports we'll get will likely come in the form of spot exports. And spot exports are great. We we will come to a moment here where all of a sudden people will say, ah, the market's relatively cleaned up. And boy, did you hear about that sale that went off? And everybody will say, well, the export market's back. And I think it is important. And I think we're probably in an area where we can get that traffic across the, you know, to get out of the shores. What, what I, again, I come back to the nuance of spot, and that is important, but more importantly is going to be the contracted forward sales of product. And right now with a July to D's average in the one nineties for cheese futures, it's going to be very difficult to get those. And I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I would say that a long-term forward contract is going to be more contingent on where can we get the futures done. And right now, our futures are substantially higher than the spot market, and they are substantially higher than anything we've heard of that people might be able to forward book mozzarella out of Europe at. So I guess I, I bring that up to say, can we export? Yes. Are we going to export? Probably. How much are we going to export and, and how structural of a difference is that going to make? I, I guess I'm still a bit on the negative side of, of where we can go with that because I, I just don't know how we're going to get them, you know, at least in my simple mind with a future structure that is this high. I will say, though, the other nuance that we need to look at is I, I mentioned earlier, cheese exports all year long have been good through March. They were great in 2022. And then you say, well, if they were good in March, why are they all of a sudden not good in April and May? And I think you have to look back to that exact point, and that is that cheese exports tend to not be booked on a spot basis. They tend to be booked on a long-term contractual basis. And I would be willing to bet that the exports that went out in January, February, and March, you know, they were booked back in Q4, if maybe not even earlier, when the U.S. was substantially cheaper than the rest of the world. And it, and it just it's taken this long for that to carry through. So even though Europe went lower here during the last six months than us, we still maintain those exports because they were on contract. Now, I would make you can make the argument that the U.S. has come lower. We should be able to get some of those exports. But if the Europeans have already contracted them, it's going to be a tough road here for probably at least the next three months. Um, again, I don't mean to be too negative on it. It's just kind of the the nature of of that export market. Yeah. Well, I, like you mentioned, the, the futures curve holding up to where we are for current cash and spot right now is uh, is just astronomical at this point. Yes. I think as we look towards the, this actual auction, something to point out, you know, and you don't like to get too, too deep into the weeds here, but when we look at the participants, we can say, eh, you know, China, North Asia, they were there. Um, they bought a little bit more than they bought last auction, 3% more, but they're still buying 20% less year over year when we compare the auctions. So China, are they there? Yeah, but nothing's like nothing crazy. Uh, I do want to point out, though, that when we look at the total North Asian purchasing on the GDT, North Asia is what we would consider to be China. When we look at that, on average, they're, you know, so far this year, they have bought substantially more than they did last year. This auction, they didn't. 
on the year to date, they've done a pretty good job. Again, the, the last time they bought this much was 2021. And then you have to go all the way back to 2014. So remember, we had a very strong showing at the beginning of the year of Chinese purchasing. I, I think that has been important. They are still out here. But it's the other regions that really aren't, you know, really aren't doing much. If we go to Southeast Asia, down 11 percent versus last auction, down 25 percent year over year. They have continued to underperform on the auction this year. Again, if you go back all during 2022, Southeast Asia was a huge buyer. China was not. Now China steps in and is doing a nice job, but Southeast Asia backs off. If we look towards other areas like Europe, you know, they they were kind of a shining star on this auction, but, you know, they, they're, they're just not going to be that much volume in general. And then we've talked about it in the past. The Middle East, they kind of came out of the box strong here over the last few auctions, and they're still in here. If we compare it to last year, they bought 242% more. Than they bought the year before. And you say, that's amazing. You got to remember, though, that they, they started at a fairly small number. And then if we compare it to the last auction, they bought 28% less. So again, I think it was these other regions that didn't really perform. I think China, we can go ahead and say, is somewhat of a steady eddy here on this, maybe pulling back a little bit. But regionally, you know, nothing, nothing too spectacular here to point out. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, we, we pulled back a little bit on this auction. But I would say overall, exports are gaining steam, right, when we look at it from a big global picture, but not, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say it. They're still down on, a, on an overall basis. Um, demand in general out of the U.S., you know, we can say exports are gaining steam out of the U.S. or they have been, they're doing good. But when we look at the big global market, specifically into China, which is going to mean so much, you know, the Chinese exports of whole milk powder into China year to date down 31% year over year. So it's just kind of a mixed bag. We see them show up on the GDT, yet the exports are still down a little bit into China. Uh, we'd say they're, they're getting better, but it's still still not great. And I think that probably is what re helps represent a, you know, a 120-ish non-fat world or skim milk powder world. What is helping contribute to you know a 150 mozzarella price and just a, a whole milk powder price that's kind of trying to come off the bottom, but still really not doing much. I mean, I guess uh, Steady Eddie is better than contracting right now for, for the country of China, at least on the buying possibilities going forward here. But besides everything that we've talked about so far today, John, is there anything else for this GDT that stood out to you, like a sore thumb that we want to hit on? It's less about the specific GDT, Cody, and more about you know, we, we talked about demand and demand and demand on here. Demand is okay worldwide, but kind of contracting a little bit, if, if you will. At the same point in time, EU milk supply is still very strong. World milk supply is very strong. But if we were to focus on just a big milk shed, it's the EU. They have plenty of milk right now. These lower commodity prices that we're seeing, that we're talking about here, have not filtered through to a lot of the dairy producers in Europe, right? I don't want to say all. Certainly there are regions that uh, people are suffering in. And then there are some regions where the milk supply, or excuse me, the milk price is still relatively high and the milk production hasn't contracted. 
and in fact is in somewhat of an expansion, right? The expansion is getting smaller, but here we are with big milk production volumes and a little bit less demand. And I think that is a big part of why we see these lower prices. So if we were to look at it and say, what is going to turn this market around, right? Certainly demand is going to help, right? Um, and, and demand coming back, maybe we get that. Uh, I, it's hard to forecast that. But what is going to turn things around? It's likely going to come out of milk supply contracting here and specifically out of the EU. Again, I'll, I'll go, I keep saying, it's one thing to say that the uh, mozzarella price is at $1.50, and that's why we have to be at $1.50 on our cheddar or our mozz to get it out of the country, right? But you say, well, why is Europe at $1.50? I think the they have too much milk. And until that European milk supply pulls back or steps off the pedal a little bit, it's going to be hard for the European cheese price to rally. I'm not saying that it won't. I'm saying it's going to be hard to, for it to make a significant rally. And uh, until that happens, I, I just feel like it's going to be difficult for us to export, especially on that long-term contractual basis that's going to make a structural difference to our cheese market. If I'm not mistaken, at the end of this week, we actually get our milk production for the month of April. So we're going to have a good comparison side by side, what we have produced, what the EU has produced, and, and kind of go from there giving us a little bit of a forward look. That is correct. And uh, I don't know, we'll wait to see when it comes out. But for right now, I think anecdotally, we can say our milk production is 0.5 to 0.6% higher. I know the EverAg Insights team, is that's what the forecast is there. In Europe right now, we're seeing, again, milk production, it's not necessarily, con it's not contracting, that's for sure. And, and it, the, the expansion isn't huge, but it's it's still not, contracting. And I, I would make the, the case we have more milk than we have demand right now. And that's just been a recipe for lower prices. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of GDT with myself and Mr. John Spainhauer. We actually have three weeks until the next Global Dairy Trades. This is one of those kind of leap months, if you will. So we will be back with you the first part of June and let you know what happened on the next Global Dairy Trade. But until then, everybody enjoy your weeks, your weekends. We'll talk to you soon.